Hey, it's Jeff Woods. We wanted to ask you for a quick favor. We'd like to get to know you better, which is why we put together a quick quiz that literally takes less than a minute to complete. This will help us learn more about you so we can better serve you this year through our content and our ads. If you'd take one minute to pause this episode and go to theonething.com slash podcast quiz. That's the one thing with the number one in the URL.com slash podcast quiz. It'd mean the world to us. Thanks and enjoy this episode. This is the One Thing Podcast where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. On page 114 of the book, we have what's called the seven circles, the seven most important areas of your life, your spirituality, your physical health, your personal life, your relationships, your job, your business, and your finances. One of the circles that matters so much to all of us and we feel often gets neglected is the relationships circle. Now, if you've ever had a long-term relationship, whether that be with a significant other, with a business partner, a manager, a boss, an employee, you know that relationships inherently have conflict. At what point in your life were you ever trained on how to effectively communicate with the people that matter most to you? I don't know about you, but for me, um, that was something that was lacking for a very long time. And it's something that I've had to go on a road of studying myself. That's why today you're going to meet a man who's going to teach you that when it comes to relationships and conflict, where there's smoke, there's fire, and how you can transform the relationships that matter most to you by solving the real problems at hand. With that, let's get into this conversation with Dr. Matt Townsend. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is, Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals that are ever-fresh and never-frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. So tell us about your background. Well, you know, it's it's crazy. I um, I started out, you know, not sure if I was going to be a doctor, a medical doctor, or a lawyer. So I went and tried both of them, and honestly, hated it. You sound like all my friends at Hebrew school. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that's it. Huh? <laughs> because Are you going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you know, oh, you yeah. know how it there works. you go. <laughs> and so I, I didn't know. I didn't know what exactly I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew that it had to involve relationships somehow because my parents divorced when I was about eight, and I was always fascinated why about why some people could could really communicate well and why some couldn't. I eventually went on, got a degree in journalism, got a master's degree in conflict resolution. On the side, I uh, 
I got this job. It wasn't even a side job. It was a real job. My first real job was for a company called Franklin Covey. Actually, by, at the time, it was called Covey Leadership Center. And uh, I got to work with Stephen Covey, the man, the the man that wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I also then thought, hey, I, I want to be a mediator. I really thought my goal would be to help people talk. So I started helping people uh, mediate conflict in business. And uh, where there was a lot of opportunity was in divorce mediation. I thought, hey, that would be fun, right? And uh, nightmare, by the way. <laughs> and so I, I started mediating divorces and realizing that, man, these people, they just don't have skills. They just don't know what they're doing. So I started making a deal with them where I would I'd mediate their divorce and I do it affordably. But I wanted them to take about an hour, hour and a half of skills class before we did it so that they'd be educated and know how to talk. So about two years into that, I decided I'm not doing that anymore and uh, just started mediating or started teaching communication skills to everybody. And for the last, you know, 17 years, I've been doing nothing but designing training and communication relationship skill classes for corporations and families. And I love it. And then over time, I got a radio show that is kind of syndicated uh, and on satellite radio nationwide. And I do that three hours in the morning. And uh, the rest of the time, I'm just trying to write and teach. Very, very cool. So let, let, I'm interested in diving down the communication skills path. You know, I it's amazing. I remember thinking how, okay, from the youngest age, I, I have my parents. And in school, I got my teachers. And in sports, I got my coach. And Yet you fast forward, you, even when you graduate college, you've got a manager in your, for, for work and in the number one relationship, the relationship with your significant other, society does not really pair you with a coach or a mentor. Yeah. No, you're, well, the assumption is that, that you just do it naturally, right? Like when you're in love, it just comes natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like childbirth, it's painless, I guess. Um, yeah, not, it's, not our it's experience. Silly. <laughs> it's not, is it? But it's like we think it's this natural thing that if you really loved each other, you'd know how to do. But what I found is the people that love each other the most still need to have the skills to do it. So let's dive into that. You, you're, let's assume that everybody who's listening to this has not received formal training or coaching in this area. Where do we begin? It's funny. One of the first things I learned as a mediator is that um, what we're what we generally are fighting about or talking about is never the real issue. So one of my first rules and concepts I teach is to to recognize the difference between the smoke and the fire. And so, for example, a lot of couples will come to me complaining about an issue. An example would be uh, somebody once brought up the fact that um, the wife. Uh, bought a $400 purse and he couldn't believe it. Nobody needs a $400 bag. That's ridiculous. And then she said, it's not a purse. It's a bag. She said that before he brought up the bag word. And, um, and he's like, well, I don't care what it is. Nobody needs to spend $400 on a bag. And then they went back and forth. Yes, you do. No, you don't. You don't even know what its value is and all this stuff. And then um, she looks at him and she says, oh, really? So nobody needs a $400 bag? And he's like, yeah. And then she asks, so how much was your golf bag? <laughs> like right then. 
Right then, he couldn't hear her. He's like, what? And she's like, you just said no one needs a $400 bag. So how much was your golf bag? And then he says, what, the, the bag or the, the all of it? Like the bag you put in the bag and the wheels? And she's like, all of it. What did you spend for that? And he's like, I don't know, 370 And she's like, 370 is 400 you dork. And they went back and forth. And now notice they're arguing not even about the bag, but about its price tag and how you round the number. And so they went back and forth. And as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, this is crazy. So I call that the smoke. The smoke is everything we fight about that's not the real issue. It's so their marriage problem isn't a bag and it's not a purse and it's not how you round a number and it's not golfing and it's not golf clubs. There's something deeper going on. And I noticed that when the smoke starts to appear, you can see a fight or an argument or a disagreement turn into 10 different things, but it starts to create an irritant like smoke. And when the smoke is in our face, some of us have a habit of like fanning it off and blow, trying to blow it away. And some of us just try to walk away from it. And I realize that in a conflict, some people fight it, fan it, make it worse. And some people just avoid it and walk away. But wherever there's smoke, there's got to be fire. I teach. And the most basic human need is to get that fire out so we can get air. Number one killer of people in a house fire is the smoke, not the fire. And the number one killer of a relationship is when we spend too much time in the smoke and we don't get down to the real fire. I'm curious here because I, as you're talking, I'm reflecting on the relationships that matter in my life, whether that be with my wife, that that be with my partners, whether it be with people who work for me, friends, anybody, there's naturally conflict, right? Yeah. How do how does somebody who I'm the I'm the fanner, how can you teach us to not fan in those situations or not walk away in those situations, but to actually identify what the fire is? Yeah. So it's powerful because Notice the fanner is a, is a pretty typical model because the fanner has a goal. The person that's going to fan the fire, that's going to fan it, they, they have a goal. And their goal is it's dig, it's dignified. It's a good goal. It's not, not to cause problems, but it's to create progress. Now, the withdrawer also has a goal. They also want to they, – they want something too. And what they want is also dignified. They just want peace. And so, so we call those the pursuer is the aggressor. The withdrawer is the one that runs away. So what it ends up becoming is a battle for progress over peace. And what I teach is as soon as you can recognize the pattern. So why this is valuable is as soon as you recognize the pattern is starting to happen and take place, then what we need to do is rec- once you recognize the pattern, there's, by the way, there's tons of signs that it's going on. Almost always when somebody is in the smoke, you're going to see more negative emotion. So the key to actually stopping it is to start to recognize people's emotions. Recognize when it's getting a little uglier. You're going to also notice that when the emotion goes up, usually understanding and clarity goes down. So it gets more and more confusing. It gets more and more you know, cloudy. The issue gets harder to understand. You'll also see trust drop. So I call those the vital signs. Anytime I see negative emotion going up, understanding dropping and trust dropping, I know we're in the smoke. So the number one key and the number one way through this, Jeff, is to recognize what you're in, recognize the pattern. And then, honestly, it's, it, it sounds weird, but to begin with, it's this simple. Just 
do the opposite. So if you tend, <laughs> then and you're the pursuer, then just shut your mouth, just shut it and just stay put. And if you're the withdrawer, then quit running and stay put. So I, that, cause here's why I need two people in the room. You can't solve a problem if we're not communicating on the issue. So instead of fanning it or running from it, let's just agree that when we see the pattern, we're going to stop it. And we're going to start to deal with it. Now, by the way, Jeff, that's if we're working together on it. Now, many people, you know, in business or work, they don't have a person that is going to work with them on communicating better. So what I try to do is if I can recognize the emotion in the other person, then I know it's time for me to get out of their smoke and get down to the fire. So how does someone clear through the smoke and get to the fire? I teach that there's seven needs that need to be met in every interaction with a human. Human beings have seven basic needs. And these seven needs spell an acronym that I call starved. Because when, when these needs aren't met, I start to feel starved. And when I'm starved, I'm going to starve you. And that's what creates kind of this fight or flight in us. It creates the trigger. What are the seven basic human needs? So the starved stuff are seven things. Basic need number one is safety. If I want to be with you for a long time, if we want to make something work, I've got to feel safe with you. Physically, so I know I'm not going to be harmed. Socially, so I won't be embarrassed by you in this situation. Emotionally, so I can share what's in my heart. Financially, so we have enough money. And spiritually, so we share the same values. Physically, socially, emotionally, spiritually, financially. And so when those needs aren't met, we will fight about golf clubs or purses because that's probably a financial safety issue or an emotional safety issue. The second basic need is trust. If you want to work with somebody for a long time, if you want to get results with people, they have to trust you. Okay, I didn't invent the idea. I wish I had. But trust is very basic. If I can't trust you, it will impact everything else we do. If I can't trust you, it will impact how we talk or how we don't talk, how we do a deal, how we handle everything, um, how we prioritize is going to be based on trust. So safety and trust have to be there. A stands for appreciation. I need to feel appreciated by you. You need to feel appreciated by me. Everyone feels appreciated differently. Some of us are seers. We feel appreciated with our eyes. Some of us are hearers. We want to hear we're great. Some of us are touchers. We want touch. Some of us are sensors. We want time and attention. We feel that we are cared for because my boss gives me attention or my boss has time for me. So those are three of the basic needs, safety, trust, appreciation. R in starved stands for respect. If you want to have a relationship for a long time, both parties have to feel that they're respected, that they are seen. The word spect means to see. They're seen with reverence. Somebody sees them as something special. The V in starved stands for validation. That's the ability to have the fact that we can disagree, but in our disagreement, we can both still be valid. I can still see things from my opinion. You can see things from your opinion. Um, e in starved stands for encouragement. Long-term relationships require that we encourage one another. And sometimes to encourage each other, it takes some courage, right? You got to have enough courage to say what needs to be said, but to maybe say it in a nice way. And the D in starved stands for dedication. I need to know you are committed to me. 
And in my highest, most important relationships, I need to know you're more dedicated to me than any other person, place, or thing. So when those needs are met, I feel healthy. To me, that's what love is in a marriage, is meeting those needs. Uh, in, in business, healthy relationships meet those needs. Here's my question. You know, I'm hearing the seven basic human needs, whether it be safety, trust, appreciation, respect, validation, encouragement, or dedication. And I'm putting myself in the moment and just on, on a side note, Matt, I've been on this journey to asking great questions, learning to master asking great questions. And I've found in moments of conflict with people and I'm dealing with the smoke, oftentimes it's a singular question that cuts through all of it that gets to the fire. What are some of those questions that somebody can ask to get to the fire? Mm, great question. One of the things I'd be careful of, the questions I would be asking in a high conflict situation would be more questions to myself first. And one of the questions I would ask myself is, what am I seeing here? What are the, vi- what are the signs going? What, that I'm seeing here? Am I seeing emotion? Am I seeing low trust? Am I seeing misunderstanding? Um, I might also ask, what of my seven basic needs are being met here or not being met? So the reason I would suggest you start asking the questions to yourself is for some self-reflection, because if you if when somebody's angry and frustrated and upset, the minute you start asking questions to someone that's upset, they can be very easily misinterpreted. One reason is because the anytime a question is a question and the way you know a question is a question is there's an inflection. Mm -hmm. So why'd you do that question? Huh? And the minute you inflect like that, that that tonal quality of a question parallels also the tonal quality of judgment. Okay, that makes so much sense to me because I I started asking questions to my wife a lot recently. She called me up for being judgy once, and I was like, "What do you mean? I'm just being. I'm just trying to teach you how to think." <laughs> no, yeah, but she just hears it right. So it's something we hear. So as long as your heart's in the right place, that's why if we if you ask yourself the questions first. You might get your heart in the right place. Then once your heart's in the right place, it'll alter your tone. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're not careful, instead of recognizing their emotion, you might fall into a pattern of reacting to their emotion because emotions of fight or flight are very contagious. So if they're already hijacked, I call it, and being, being carried away in their fight or flight brain and ready to fight me or run from me, my inclination in my body is to respond likewise. And um, then well, we might respond opposite, but with the same energy. And so you got to watch your energy, Jeff. And, and that's everybody, right? And the power of that, that's where, that's where genius comes. That's where um, true you know, uh, self-awareness comes and true discipline comes, is in feeling the feeling of wanting to respond, but instead trying to ask myself another great question you could ask yourself is what happened last time here in this situation another question could be what do i want to have happen this time mhm this is interesting because you you talk about how you naturally respond in your emotions and i for myself personally i am a very intense person 
And my, I've also figured I shared this with Susan Scott, who the fans know back from episode 100. And I had a call with her maybe a week ago and I was asking her, you know, when you, when I hear you talk, you sound like this grandma who's just giving me a hug. And she laughed really hard. And I said, but at the same time, I know just from your, I can tell you've got the heart of a warrior. And I have a, I imagine that you weren't naturally this way. And she said, oh, absolutely not. My intensity's through the roof. And I asked her, how do you control that? Because for me, when I talk to other people, if I get intense, it's like I'm throwing daggers through their soul. Yeah. And I don't know how to tame it. What do you say? You probably don't need to sometimes. Because if they, so I need to with my wife, let's put it that way. Yeah. But but she also knows your heart and she knows your intensity is part of who you are. But sometimes if she can just see that you'll do everything you can to hold back the doggies from running and instead seek, this is back to Covey, right? Seek first to understand, then to be understood. There's a great quote that says, um, in order to influence someone, you must first be influenced by them, right? And so what we tend to do is we tend to try to be influenced by leading the influence by asking the questions. But many times the best way to be influenced isn't even posing the question because the question itself is still into your idea. It's, it was still your idea that came up with the question. So to really understand somebody is to almost suspend any certainty any need to know, and instead just start attending to them and let them let them inform you, let their mood, let their energy, let their heart, let their idea start to influence you and then respond to them. It's the number one way I've ever seen to grow trust is, and I actually saw Stephen Covey do it a lot, where he would walk in and he wouldn't assume he knows why anybody's there. He would always start to just say, "What? look, we have an hour to talk. What do you all want to talk about? And that's a question. But then he would spend the next 10 minutes or more trying to get all of their ideas out in the room. And then you'd see this light bulb go on in his head. Then he would know what to talk about. And he would start every speech that way. It was it was amazing. Um it, and it actually felt more real when you saw Stephen do that than when he went into a canned speech where he had his PowerPoint to deliver. What I'm hearing you say, Matt, is the importance of showing up with no agenda and being prepared to be there and nowhere else. It's exactly, especially when the, the, there's high emotion, especially on a starved issue, because on the starved issue is where that matters so much more. So if you can shift to suspending your agenda, when you see the person is hurting, then they actually believe that you care. Yeah. Well, I remember once when my wife and I got into an argument and I realized that the one of the things I value most, at least in the relationship between us, is feeling respected. And in times when I feel like that's being violated, it surfaces as different types of smoke. But that is the... I'll, that's the underlying fire. And when I was finally able to acknowledge that to her and say, hey, look, I, I get what you're trying to say here. Let me help you understand that when you say it this way, ultimately, I'm feeling like I'm not being respected. Yeah, that's powerful. Right? And, and that really disarmed her. 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's not it's because you're not in the smoke anymore and she's down in your 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 starved issue of respect. We cut right through it and we got I call it now we get very real. Mm-hmm. Now the only question is does she care and does she want to help stop that or help build that? And so that's why it gets the conversation very real. So the workshops I teach about this in corporations and in community in uh, team settings is called it's called real communication, real results. So when you get out of the smoke, that's the fake communication, the irritating one, and you get down to the real issue, the fire. That's where things happen very quickly and powerfully and lastingly. That's where change really takes place. And and you felt it with your wife. It's by the way, Jeff. That's too. That's where intimacy resides. That's where vulnerability resides, which is why it's in the fire, because that's where you're going to get burnt if you're not careful. Yeah. Let, let's let's go back to a high level here, because I'm putting myself in the listener's shoes and I'm and I'm going, all right, how do I make this tactical? How do I actually put this into action? So this is not another podcast episode that goes in one ear and out the other. This is something I'm actually going to live. What's the one thing someone can do such that by doing it? would completely transform their relationships. Well, if, they, if it's the one thing, yes, I, one. Would, I would care. I would care about the other. So there's a magical moment that I have with clients where I teach them to communicate well enough that they, they can pretty effectively reflect what they hear their partner saying, but their heart isn't in it. You know, their heart doesn't seem to care what they're hearing. Okay, so what you're saying is when I say this and this to you, it makes you feel disrespected. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But in their heart, you can tell they don't care yet. But there's something magical. When, and then I'll just turn to them and I'll say, so just an aside, I mean, do you care in your heart deep down that your partner feels disrespected by what you said? How does that feel to you? What does that, what do you feel about that? And just when I get them a chance to go reflect that they care, that's almost a lot of times where emotion opens up and they're like, of course I care. Mm. And it gets very real. This, this makes a lot of sense for me. I mean, just the idea of caring for somebody, what's the one thing that stops them from consciously caring for others first? Uh, it's it's a great, it, by the way, essential question, right? And back to your good questions, Jeff. It's we're vulnerable and we are so afraid of being vulnerable. And we're so afraid of people thinking that we're not, we don't have our act together, that we're not perfect enough. And when we're vulnerable, then I don't recognize emotions. I don't explore what you say. I don't attend to what you want, your needs. And I don't try to lift the conversation. I always just try to push it where I want it. So we just keep the shell around our vulnerability. And uh, we think by doing that, we are hiding that we're effectively, uh, you know, we're strong, amazing people. Mm -hmm. But in reality, until you're really good being vulnerable, um, you're probably not growing. So here's my question for you, the listener. What's one relationship? that really matters to you. And if you're being honest with yourself, it's hurting. It may even be broken. Are you showing up in those interactions, genuinely caring about the other person first before considering your agenda? And based on that answer, 
what's the one thing you could do such that by doing it would allow you to outwardly show the person and make them feel like you care for them? If you got to pause the episode and think it through, do it. Matt, what final thing would you share with somebody? They're sitting here going, okay, I get it. They're going to go on this road to caring for others outwardly, publicly. What's that final thing that would just deliver the maximum impact in their relationships? Never stop. I, I see relationships as the greatest, for me, spiritual endeavor and practice that we have. I think it's this, it, 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 it's our discipline that it helps us create. It's our sensitivities that they that our relationships strengthen. I mean, to me, it is the perfect practice ground for everything we do. So the one thing I would do is just keep learning, keep trying, and literally let your conscience lead you to that one thing that you need to do today to make the change today. And tomorrow we'll do it again. And again the next day and the next day. So stay at it. Do not give up. Now, it doesn't mean every relationship works, by the way, but it does mean that you should be able to work in every relationship. Mm, Say that again. I like that. Yeah. It's not that every relationship will work and needs to work, but it does mean that you need to work effectively in every relationship. Well, there you have it, my conversation with Dr. Matt Townsend. What I love that he said at the end, folks, is this idea of not stopping. And the one thing Gary and Jay talk about, the road to mastery. It's not like you implement it once and all of a sudden everything is perfect. This is a lifelong commitment about waking up every single day asking, what's the one thing I can do today? What's the one thing I can do today? And you continue to take action and continue to raise your ceiling of achievement. What would your relationships look like if you fast forward just six months and you had committed to going on a road to mastery in this area of your life? How much deeper would those relationships be? What would that do for you? I love how he said, not every relationship is going to work, yet you need to work effectively in every relationship. Are you doing your part? We hope that this episode has brought value to you. If you'd like to learn more about Matt, you can go to matttownsend.com. That link is in the description below. He's got some resources on there that you could definitely check out. And like we mentioned, the entire month of February, we are dedicating our membership platform, Living Your One Thing, to helping you develop extraordinary relationships in your life, whether that be with your professional colleagues, the people who determine wealth for you and the people you determine wealth for, whether it be for your loved ones, your friends, or the people who help you break through your ceiling of achievement and achieve more than you ever thought possible. You can join us by going to theonething.com slash membership. In the meantime, if you've not yet subscribed to the show, please do so. That way, all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have left us a rating and review. We've literally doubled the number of reviews that have been left over the last few months. Thank you to all of you. It it helps us reach more people. And honestly, it helps us know what resonates with you. We read your reviews and then we turn around and try to create more episodes like the one that you are reviewing. So if this one made an impact for you, please leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Have a great one. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode. 